gosh. Thank you, girls. I love you. Sit down. Sit down. Oh, my goodness. I love you more. Um, oh, gosh. I need to write some thank you notes. Oh, my gosh, that was hilarious. Hey, I know I'm, I'm supposed to start. They say when you do public speaking, you're supposed to start off with a joke, and I don't really have one. I could not top that anyway. So can you just give me a fake laugh? Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah, I'm so funny. Thank you, thank you. Okay, I need to do that and get that over with. Hey, we, I'm so glad that you're here tonight, and I hope that you're having an awesome time. And I've got something that... I just want to begin, sorry, I've got a mint in my mouth. Let me get rid of it. Okay, I think I swallowed it. Okay, so um, I've got something on my heart that I want to share with you girls, so I'm asking that you would just dial, dial in to me and uh, let me just share something that God has really put on my heart, and then we're going to go, and then we're going to party, okay? But right now, I just think God has something he wants to say to his girls. And so um, I've been doing a lot of, of reading and just having some things in my heart, and, and I came across this story about a woman in the Bible. And I want to say this first about the character's in the Bible, I know that sometimes we can hear Bible stories over and over, and then when we hear them, they seem to uh, lose their, their um, just the sparkle in it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that story. You know, Jonah, you know, gets swallowed by the whale, and then God, you know, kind of redeems him and all this stuff, and we've heard that, and we, I think we can tend to feel those things really didn't happen right? Because we got used to it. Or maybe, maybe you don't know the Bible stories, and maybe you've never really read the Bible, and you might think, well, those are just fairy tales. The Bible is not real. And I want to say to you that, and I heard a precious woman who we had for a conference once before, and she wrote an incredible, incredible book called Epic of Eden that I highly recommend. I know it's a textbook, but I'm telling you, it did amazing things for me. And in that, she said, we need to look at the Bible characters as real people in real space and real time. And so we're going to look at someone in the Bible that has been on my heart. And when I would say this is a person that had real challenges, real feelings, dreams, probably experienced some mountaintops, experienced some lows, and also had issues just like us, right? And who doesn't have some issues, right, girls, if we're honest about it? So we're going to look at in Joshua 2, and it's Joshua 2 through 6, and I obviously do not have the time tonight to read all of those chapters, but it is the story of Rahab. And Rahab in the Bible was always referred to as Rahab the harlot, and the story goes like this, that she lived in the city of Jericho on a wall, and the wall apparently was where, uh, it was a fortified wall, so they were very, very thick, and she lived in the wall of Jericho, and so she's living in that wall, and in the meantime, 
Joshua, who is the leader of Israel, sends two spies to Jericho because he has, they have been commanded that they're supposed to go into Jericho and take over Jericho. So these spies go to Jericho and they're staying. Apparently she runs an inn. That's what, that's what it says. She runs an inn. And so they're staying at this inn. And so then the king of Jericho finds out that these two spies are staying at this inn. So then he sends somebody to say, give me those spies because we are going to kill them because they've come to spy out the land, which they had come to spy out the land. And so anyway, they come to, he, the king sends someone to her and she hides them and she hides them so that she can then talk to them about what is going to happen. And so she begins to hide these spies and talk to them and in exchange for um, her keeping them and keeping them safe and not turning them in, she makes them promise her that when they come back to destroy the city, that they will not destroy her and her family. And we all, most of us probably know how the story goes. Eventually they do come back and then the walls fall down and she gets rescued. But in the meantime, there's a lot that goes on. And so I want to look at a couple of scriptures because it's so interesting that here is Rahab who is always referred to as a harlot. And yet, she's referred to several times in the Bible and even included in the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew. And so in Hebrews 11.31, it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And then I want to look at James 2.25, where she is referenced once again, and it says, the same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing what counted with God? And I love that, that seamless unity of believing and doing counted with God. And so we're going to look at a few things that I feel like, and there's been so much in the story, believe me, that I, that I got out of it, and I can't share everything tonight, but I do want to share a few thoughts that God has given me on this. And number one is, get on God's side rather than fighting against what is obviously God. Get on God's side rather than fighting against what is so obviously the hand of God in our lives. And so we look at this story and we say she had heard, and it says in these chapters, that she had heard the stories of how God had taken them through the Red Sea when they left Egypt and caused the waters to part and performed a miracle. And then how, how along the way that God had destroyed so many enemies of Israel. And she is hearing all of these stories. And so that's why she goes to these spies and she says to them, she says, I know that God has given you this land. Now remember, she's in a foreign land. She's not an Israelite. 
she, they probably worship a different God, but somehow she has this aha moment when she's hearing these stories of what God can and what God is doing, and she's having this ha-ha moment, I am not going to fight against God in this, but I am going to go with God. So she makes a decision right there to get on God's side, who is obviously powerful and can save. And I want to say to you girls, somewhere along the journey of life, we are giving by the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God an opportunity to make decisions, to make a decision to always go with God and go with what he was doing. And then thereafter, to be honest, there are decisions that we make every day of our lives. I'm going to go with God. We get to choose in so many situations, you know, where maybe we might want to retaliate. We say, no, I'm going to go with God. And we go with God in those situations. And I remember the very first time that I decided that I was going to have to follow Jesus. And I remember I was in um, middle school. And I remember I was starting to get invited to a lot of parties. And yes, in middle school, invited to parties. Now, everybody knows I like to party. <laughs> so how could I say no to that? And even in middle school, I remember I would go and they were starting to play games like spin the bottle. How many of you remember that? Spin the bottle. And they were starting to spike the punch in middle school. Well, you know, because I like to party, I remember in my little, my little, um, really I was pretty innocent and naive, but I would go to these and I'm like, oh, well, I can drink a little bit of that. Well, thank God I had a twin sister who thought she was the Holy Spirit who would <laughs> yank my chain and say, if you do that, I am going to tell mama. <laughs> Yes, my twin sister always thought she was the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I remember having to make a decision, am I going to go with God or am I going to go with the crowd? And so I decided, I remember sitting down in front of my little church one day and sitting on the front steps, and it was not an emotional thing, but I remember thinking, I am going to choose God. I am going to go with God. And by the grace of God, I've been walking with him ever since. So I want to say that you can choose to stay where you are. And she could have chosen to stay right where she was with what she knew. But let me tell you, what she knew at that point was what got her where she was. Does that make sense? What she knew at that point got her where she was in life. Or she could have been looking out over that wall and seen a whole new world out there for herself. And I know that she probably had a dream in her heart that looked so different than what the reality of her life was. And I know, I want to say this to you girls, I know God has put dreams in you. We all have dreams that are placed within us, and sometimes that dream gets pushed down to where we don't even realize it's there. But in a moment, God can awaken that dream within your heart, and he wants to take you places you can never take yourself or even on your own merit. And we're going to see that, how he does that in her life. And I looked up the name Rahab because I'm always looking up the meanings of things. And I thought it was so interesting. Her name means broad and large. <laughs> now, how would you say, hey, broad, come over here, broad, come here. No, nobody wants to be named that. But you know what I choose to believe? I choose to believe 
that that was something God put, and I don't know anything about her childhood. The Bible doesn't tell anything about it, but God put in her parents because she one day was going to be brought into broad places, into large open spaces, and God was going to do something amazing in her. So that name was not demeaning. I think that name was prophetic, that she could look out of that wall, and I know that she saw something afresh and anew for her beyond the horizon. Somehow, some way, her eyes and her ears heard something different calling her into the place that God had for her. And in, in the Psalms, David says in Psalm 16, 6, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places indeed. My heritage is beautiful to me. So when we go with God, he makes sure that the boundary lines that he sets for our lives are in pleasant places. And those places are where he is wanting to take us. You know what? Nobody wants to live in captivity. And you know, we all can create our own kind of captivity, right? Sometimes it's created to us, and sometimes we create it ourselves. But we don't have to live there. And so what happens is the, she sees in these two spies a way out. So she goes with them, and she gets on God's side because she sees God has a way out for me. Amen? Amen. All right. And number two, God uses ordinary flawed people. Aren't you happy for that? <laughs> I mean... Honestly, I would not be able to be up here before you girls if God did not use a flawed person. I have many flaws. But you know what is the beautiful thing about our God? Is that he doesn't always do everything in the natural. Sometimes he chooses that which is not what we would choose. And he goes after every single person, no matter what their circumstance or what, no matter what their life is like or whatever they have done, and he chooses to use them and make their life extraordinary. Girls, you weren't created for ordinary. You were created for extraordinary. He wants to bring something supernatural in your life. So God always desires to use ordinary people. And you know what? I don't know her beginnings, and I don't know anything about her childhood, what drove her to the path of being a prostitute. I don't know that, but God knew. And I want to say this, whatever, whatever went sideways in her life now was moving her forward. It didn't matter the rose that she took off of maybe what God had intended for her in the first place. God was going to bring her back into that path and move her forward. And I want to say to anybody that's here tonight that is doubting, can God take what has gone, what has gone sideways in my life? Can he take it? Can he turn that around? And I want to tell you he can turn it around in a moment. Amen? So all of a sudden, then, she has this revelation and she goes with God. And then now, because God uses ordinary, even flawed people, now she is leading others into this place. Because the word says she gathered her family together in this fortress now, which became a fortress for her. And she gathered her family together and began to lead them. So I want to say when God, when God does something in you and he leads you into a brand new place, that your deliverance, your breakout, and your breakthrough is never just for you. God has people 
<laughs> that he wants you to take. He wants you to take his hand and then take someone else's hand and lead them into the place that he has brought you. And so hopefully each step of our journey, there's just so much more in us to give away, right? So there's so much more love. There's so much more hope. There's more insight. There's more generosity. We have a generous spirit because of what God has done in us, and we're leading other people in that. And I want to say this. Her ending is going to be better than her beginning. You know, maybe we've been born into something that was unfortunate, but I want to say God, and she is a perfect example of this, can take what had begun as something that appeared to be against her and turn it and make her future and her ending a beautiful, beautiful story. Even as we were hearing the stories tonight, what maybe started out as something as a negative, God was able to turn for these girls, and he still is turning it into a positive positive for them. Okay. And then next we want to win the battle of in the meantime. So she sends off the spies and they leave and she's left there with the promise that they are going to remember her. And now what? She waits and she waits and she waits there is always a space in time between the promise and the fulfillment. So we wait. And once we decide to get on God's side of our life, I want to say this. We are in this space on the planet, and we're taking up time and space, and we occupy this space right now for the years that God has given us until eternity. So there is a time and space between a promise and the fulfillment, and then there's this time and space that I get to occupy right here on the earth. Do you get that? You only have so much space and time to occupy on the earth. So what do we do in the meantime? So I want to talk about that. Her story begins in chapter 2. And then it comes back around in chapter 6. Now, for some reason, and I don't know why, I've read my Bible many times, but for some reason, I thought that the spies were at her house, then they left, and then a couple of days later, everybody came back and marched around Jericho, and the walls fell down, and she was saved. Well, once I read it again, and I read it several times, I was like, wow, there was a lot going on. So let's just take a look at went on, what went on in the meantime between the promise and the fulfillment. Okay, one, the spies have to travel back to Joshua to report what they had seen. Okay, how many of you know they didn't have airplanes back then? <laughs> they probably had to ride on camels. That probably took a little while. Okay, then... They have to cross. Then when they decide to come back, okay, this is the journey back, then they have to cross the Jordan. And God performs a miracle, and again, God parts waters as he had done previously when the people left um, Egypt, and he had parted the waters, waters and made a miracle. He does that here with the Jordan. And then they are told by God to stop because this generation was younger and they were not going to be able to enter into the promised land once they got there. So they had to stop and circumcise every male. 
Okay, girls. This is where she might be losing her faith in the meantime. How many of you know when a man gets a cold, it's just a little bit different than when we get a cold, right? So I would imagine that took some time for those poor fellas to heal up and get back on the road and stop whining. Okay, and then, then he tells them, okay, now it's Passover, so I want you to stop and have a party. Can you imagine? She's standing in that wall, and all of this has gone on. So this was not just a couple of days, okay? So then they have the party, and then they decide, okay, now we got to move on. Then is six days. They march around the city one time, okay? So that goes on for six more days. Can you imagine? She's like, what the heck? When are they just going to take this thing and come rescue me? By then you think she might be losing hope. Then on the seventh day, they march around seven times. Okay. And you know what? The thing is, she probably, like from the beginning of that, she probably didn't even know what all was going on there. And I want to say this. God works behind the scenes on our behalf, even when we don't get to see it. So then they march around, and we all know how that story goes. Then, then the walls fall. They, they toot the horns. The walls fall down, and then they rescue her. But let's just imagine for a moment, girls, because remember I said this is real people in real space, in real time, in the earth. She was a real person, okay? So we can identify. Okay, what could she be feeling? Could she be feeling forgotten? That maybe, I know they've forgotten about me by now. They've forgotten that they even ever met me. I probably don't even exist to them anymore. Could she be worried about her future and what's going to happen to her and her family? Could she feel unworthy, maybe, because of her past and things that she has done wrong? Could she maybe feel angry? Because, you know, when we get hurt, what do we do? We get angry, right? Could her confidence be shattered? How many times when we're waiting for something, sometimes our confidence can get shattered? Could she feel self-accusation like, what am I doing wrong? That's a big one for me. I'm always going to that place of self-accusation. Why are we so hard on ourselves, girls? But isn't it the truth? So probably she felt some self-accusation. And then maybe she felt some shame from her past. I'm really not worthy of this anyway. And so you know what? In that time, that's where you say, but how does God feel about me? What does he say about me? In the meantime, what is God saying about me? Is this Jesus talking to me? Or is this a circus going on in my head that is not good for me? Proverbs 13, 12 says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Sometimes the waiting, it does make you feel heart sick. Have you ever felt that way before? I have. And I, I, that's a, sometimes heart sickness, it's as bad as physical sickness. But 
A sudden good break can turn life around. I believe that God can cause sudden good breaks in our lives. So disappointment in the wait may make you heart sick, but God is working behind the scenes. So let's imagine now, I want you to go with me, what could she be doing in the meantime to move some things forward, okay? One thing I want to share with you is this thought that we have to make an adjustment from waiting is punishment to waiting is preparation. It is the enemy to, of your soul to always make you feel, I am being punished. That is not God. So wait, change it from waiting is punishment to waiting is merely preparation. So let's look at a couple of things that maybe she could have done in the meantime. One, she had to capture her thoughts. Girls, that is probably one of the greatest challenges, is capturing our thoughts. This is a big rock for us because every action is preceded by a thought. And probably that is one of the greatest battlefields for us girls is what goes on in our mind. And even the girls shared in their stories. They shared, this is what I was feeling. This is what I was thinking, but God. And so we have to move our thoughts from our thoughts to his thoughts. So if she had had the Bible, here's just a couple of scriptures that probably she could have meditated on or would have. Psalms 27.3, though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war rise against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. So then there goes her thoughts of shame and unworthiness. I can be confident. And Psalms 144.1, blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. In other words, he's given me everything that I need in this life. He's given me his spirit. He's training me to be an overcoming you may have to say scripture like this, girls, over and over. Even as Therese shared in her story, I had to keep telling myself, soul, just be quiet and listen and restore, and God will restore your soul. So you may have to say that over and over. So I can't encourage you girls enough. This is mama speaking to you. You got to read your Bibles. You have to read your Bibles. Even though we're, we're so busy, I know, and many of us have small children, but you have got to read your Bible. These are what are going to restore your soul. Amen? Okay, and then I got to move on. Then she moved on to what she knew and she had heard. Somehow she heard the stories of God's deliverance of his people, and as she heard, I think she got a revelation and she came to know him as the only true God, even when there may not have been anybody else around her that knew this God, this Jehovah God, that was all good and powerful and mighty. I believe that because she heard these stories, and I don't know how she heard those stories, but she did. And so I love it how James 2.25, as we looked at before, says, the seamless unity of believing and doing counted with God. 
That is such a beautiful phrase to me. It stuck out to me when I read that. The seamless unity of believing and doing. I'm going to say this, girls. When you become a believer, you do become a doer. Believing will take you into doing. We're not saved by works, but when we do come to Jesus Christ, then we begin to do what we know he wants we know what he desires, and we want to please, and we want to honor him with all things in our life. So there is a relationship between the believing and the doing, and it just becomes our nature then to walk with him because real believing will, re will lead to doing. Amen? All right. How many of you have seen the movie Runaway Bride? <laughs> Every time that she faced commitment or conflict, what happened? She ran. <laughs> she ran. And you know that the truth? Who doesn't just want to run sometimes from a commitment or from conflict? I know I do. I would much rather run from it than to face it. Well, sometimes, though, we need to stick to our commitments because God is wanting to move us forward. And sometimes the victory is in the going, and sometimes victory is in the staying. In a day and age where things change so rapidly, girls, you want to tell you something, longevity does matter. So God is concerned about who and what you become in the meantime. And it's easier short-term to run. It really is. It's so much easier to run from conflict. I hate conflict. And I always want to run. I remember even as a little girl, if my dad got mad about something, I would want to run and hide. I've always wanted to do that. But I know that staying gives space and time for the working out of the conflict and the issue. So, we all have issues, right? Well, it takes staying sometimes to work that out. I'm going to be married 35 years in really just a few weeks. And let me tell you, even though he is an awesome man, an awesome person, and an awesome husband, guess what? I had to learn to stay put. <laughs> and probably he had to learn to stay put with me. And so that commitment has made us stronger. And it's allowed God to work some things in us and work some things out of us that he could never done any other way. Girls, you were born for more than what is temporal and what is fleeting. You were born with eternity in mind. So let God finish the good work that he has begun in you. Okay, another point here. She gathered what she needed for the journey. I doubt that she knew what all lay ahead of her and for her family. And let me tell you something. This is hard for us girls, right? Because face it, girls, we do like to be in control. I know we act so meek and everything, but we really do like to be in control. So I can imagine that she was going through her house trying to decide, what do I take? And what do I leave behind? Well, let me tell you something. I have lived for six decades, and I have a hard time getting rid of things. You know why? Because I have seen things come and go so much. And I know if I like it now, I'm going to like it in 10 years from now again. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> Things keep coming around. I'm going to like that thing again. And then I have to talk to myself, Suzette, do not hoard. You might not be alive in, in, you know, by the time you're 85 and you think this thing is cool again. You may not be alive, you know. So let it go. Let it go. Uh, and you know what? And throughout our journey, we have to constantly be releasing stuff in our souls. And then we need to be gathering what really helps us go to the finish line and to do it well. And then next, I want to share one more thing. She gathered with the family. Oops, nope, sorry, I got a couple more things. Hang in there with me. She gathered with the family. I would imagine that they had some family meetings, right? Probably more than one. I would imagine there were some disagreements in some of those meetings. No, this is how we're going to do it. No, this is how. No, you cannot take that because I'm taking this. I would imagine there was some stuff like that going on. But I also want to say this is what I imagine to move forward. I imagine that they probably all began to get a revelation of just how great this God was. And so I imagine they got together and they worshiped. I imagine they got together and they talked and rehearsed the stories that they had heard of God's goodness and his ability to save and to deliver. I imagine that they began to work together so that there was not just one person carrying the load. I imagine that they had to encourage one another. When doubt would come in, is this going to happen? When they come and take over the city, are we going to get killed because they're not going to remember us? I imagine they had to encourage one another. And then I imagine that they gathered around the mission, that this is where we're headed, that we're going to go into a new space, we're going to go into a new land. And not only that, but we're going to make an influence in another place that God takes us. And they gathered around the mission. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like the house of God. I imagine that we all here together would do all these things. We gather with family, and that is the house of God. Church is God's idea, and God places us together to work out all of these things in a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. Now, I've been reading a book that is called Kingdom Come, and the author made this this comment that I thought, you know what, that is so true. He said, God loves and absolutely cares about you as an individual, but you know what? He also cares and he sees you in the context of a community. In other words, everyone is supposed to be in community. And that is the house of God. So he's placed everything. When you read through the Old Testament, no one was on their own. They, they all started out with the father. And then they had what they called a household. And people lived and met together. And they worshiped God together. And they had God do mighty things in them and through them. That was the house of God at that time. Well, this is the house of God today. Church is God's idea. So, girls, I want to encourage you. Get planted in local church and stay planted. Amen? That's how your life will prosper. Planted people do prosper. Okay, and then she followed instruction. 
She listened to what they said, to the word. The spies instructed her to put down a red rope from the window of her home so the soldiers, when they came, would know that this was the place that she would, they were to save, that they were not to harm or kill anyone in that place. I look at that and I go, one single rope <laughs> is going to ensure that we do not get killed? You know what? That red rope... And I always thought, well, what did that mean? Well, obviously, that red rope was the signal that they would live and not die. And that red rope, even now, is a picture of the blood of Jesus, that he covers us, that he comes to cover us and to save us. And when that blood is on us and we're his, his blood is flowing through our veins when we come to know him. Then he looks at us and he says, that is mine. You cannot touch it. So we are covered and we are held by the blood of Jesus. So now for her, it becomes this trust issue, looking to that rope and believing this is what is going to bring life to me and my family. And I want to say the word of God is our instruction manual for salvation, girls. We have to know the word. In the Bible is every single thing that we need for life and purpose and to live well. So let's look at just a few scriptures here, Psalm 119.9. And it says, how can a young person live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. The word of God is the map for our lives. Psalm 119.11, it says, I banked my promises in the vault of your heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. In other words, my life will never be depleted if I keep my life and I keep my heart in your promises. In Psalm 119.16, I love this. I relish everything you told me of life. I won't forget a word of it. I relish everything, God, that you told me about life through your word. Can I tell you something? We're not going to find out about life from CNN. And we're not going to find about life from sitcoms on television. And we're not going to find out about life from social media. We're going to find out about life from the word of God. And then number four, my last point here, girls, as we close out is you will not perish. In Hebrews 11, it says, and she did not perish. I, I don't know where you are today and what you're facing, what challenges and battles that you have. But I want to say to you girls, because this has been ringing in my own spirit, you are not fragile. Can you say that about yourself? I am not fragile. Say it again. I am not fragile fragile. You will not perish. Now, there have been times in my own life, several times, where I felt like a tsunami came and hit my soul and tried to take me out for good. But you know what? God upheld me. And he said, you will not perish in this. And I want to say that to you girls. You have an eternal partner in Jesus Christ who is walking with you every step of the way. And I don't want to get into politics right now, but I just I want to say something to you girls. Our country will not perish. 
There's a lot of stuff that's going on in our country and in our world, but I want you to know also that there are thousands and probably millions of believers in our nation that are praying. And you know what? There are many, many believers in other countries that are praying for us. God is not done with America yet. I believe that still there can be greater days ahead. So we're all living in the meantime of something, right girls? If you're not, then your world is too small. You always need to have something that you're believing for in your spirit. I'm telling you, that's going to keep you young. It's always having something in your spirit. God wants to lavish you with his love. He wants to give you everything, everything that you need for this life and for godliness. He wants to rescue you like he did her. Amen? All right, girls, I want to pray with you for a moment. I hope that something I said has encouraged you and lifted you and that you take something home with you tonight that you can meditate on and know that God is so for me. He has come to rescue me. He wants to do extraordinary things through even ordinary people. Amen. So girls, I just want to pray over you for just a moment. Father, thank you for every precious woman that is in this place tonight. I know that you have your hand on them in a powerful way. And even God, as you give us this story of Rahab to look at, we learn so many things, God, about your goodness. God, that is not just our goodness, but we're resting on your goodness. And we're so grateful for that tonight. God, I speak life and I speak um, strength and power into every woman here. I pray most of all that she has an intimate connection with you, the holy and the living God. Father, I thank you for your empowerment in them in every area of their lives. I pray that even tonight as each one of them leaves here tonight, God, that there is something in their spirit that knows without a shadow of a doubt that you are alive within them, that you want to use them, that you want to rescue them from any situation that they're in, and also that you are gonna uphold them with your powerful and your mighty hand. And we thank you, Father, for that, and we pray for that in Jesus' name, amen.